in this episode i discuss um a letter that was written into the pharmacy school journal in response to an interview that was given earlier this year regarding discrimination race and equality i'm still trying to figure out what to name this um episode but i think it'll be something like unlearning disregarding the opinions of others (laughs) or it's the audacity for me or it's the capacity for me (laughs) you know i'll figure out but i'd like to give a shout out to Nigel Prytus who was the person who interviewed um Elsie Gomez Campus who I'm also giving a shout out to she's the president of the UK Black Pharmacists Association and she and some other people out there are just killing it in the world of pharmacy and driving for inclusion and a you know safer place for people to practice but yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you do please leave a nice review on apple podcast and please follow the podcast on your streaming platforms and if you have anything not really nice to say (laughs) i still want to hear it um but please don't put it on the rating system just slide into my dms you can follow the podcast at unlearning with three underscores no spaces um on instagram and on twitter And I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hello, welcome back to Unlearning. Um, This is episode two and I'm your host, Abigail Anetakai. I hope everyone is having a lovely week. I've had a really long week. Um, My week isn't even over yet, but it's been... It's not been great. Um, But yeah, I'm here. I'm grateful at least to be alive in this crazy 2020. Um, And I'm just going to dive right in. So today I'm going to be talking about two papers that have been posted. Not really papers, but yeah, let's just to keep it simple. Two papers that have been posted in the Pharmaceutical Journal. Um, So... For anyone who's listening for the first time, I am training to become a pharmacist in the UK and you know don't <laughs> don't stretch off door anyway um just because this is pharmacy related. Um it's the papers are talking about race um and you know what goes on in the world of pharmacy regarding that. So I think everyone would be able to relate. So I'm going to start off with the first paper, which was an interview actually with the president of the Black Pharmacists Association in the UK and her name is Elsie Gomez Campus. Um, so before the interview um, they just gave a little summary of what has led up to it. So the Black Lives Matter movement and pa- pandemic have um, kind of highlighted the long-standing issue the BAME community face um, and we've seen this because of the high mortality rates um, in comparison to other groups of people. If you don't know what BAME means, um, it's Black and Asian minority ethnic groups. And a few years ago, there were really no discussions about race in the world of pharmacy, which to me is not surprising, um, considering <laughs> the type of profession it is. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but pharmacists are quite, not hush-hush, but I'm assuming in in mind of like 
irregular farm fish would be like you know there are other there are more important things to worry about um especially if they're not from a black or asian minority ethnic group so you can't really say there's a problem let let alone solve a problem if you pretend it doesn't exist so i'm i'm happy we're having these conversations now and, and they are long overdue but you know at least we're starting now and hopefully um things will move forward um i don't know about the pace but you know it's better than not saying or doing anything at all so regarding that the rps and the gphc have actually done some work this year regarding equality and discrimination so the rps published its first diversity and inclusion strategy and the gphc is looking at blinding fitness to practice investigations to minimize bias so fitness practice investigations are when an event usually a negative event occurs in a pharmacy and they have to investigate the pharmacist because you know maybe they displayed unprofessional behavior or a patient was hurt as a result of what happened so they are planning on um, blinding it so so they'll probably just remove the the pharmacist details and just put information of what happened um, you know what happened that caused the investigation in order to minimize bias Um, and they also said they will soon require universities to conduct annual reviews of their students performances and they want them to include their ethnicity I think this would be very interesting um, I would actually like to see what happens with that. Um, so the Francisco Journal wants to know how these changes will affect black pharmacists and what needs to be done um, next. So that's why they have done this interview with Elsie Gomez Campos. So I'm basically going to go over the questions. Most of the things I'm going to be saying are ver- verbatim. So the first question, the COVID pandemic and Black Lives Matter movement have put the inequalities and discrimination that the minority ethnic group face on the national agenda. Have you seen any positive change in pharmacy? She talks about the um, things that the RPS and GPHC have done. And I don't know if I said what they are, but the RPS is the Royal Pharmaceutical Society and the GPHC is the General Pharmaceutical Council. So the RPS is the professional body, so they represent us and kind of advocate for us. And the GPHC is responsible for any type of regulatory issue. So that's why they are the ones who do like the investigations um, into like events that have caused patient harm or where people have behaved unprofessionally. And they are also the ones responsible for um, setting up registration exams and marking it and things like that and setting um, standards for um, universities to follow so she says that their new strategies and plans is a step forward to achieving you know a better future Um, and I like I said I'm I'm going to agree with most of the things she says so the person goes on to say but are strategies enough Um, and she just says Yes, we want to be more inclusive, but we keep seeing the same faces. Why is it that we do not have people that look like me or sound like me leading the RPS or the GPHC? Um, some of us have spent years, and our, again, some of us have spent years and our personal money to prove ourselves, and it's never enough. We are tired of seeing strategies. What we want to see is how we are going to achieve it. So, 
again like you can go on and you know release your strategies release your plans post your statements but if there's no action you know towards actually doing the things that you said you want to do then you what like there's really no point so next question is how could it be made easier for black pharmacists in particular to enter leadership positions and she says for a long time the excuse was that there there are no black people applying so whenever there's a job going at national level we'll encourage people to apply for it the problem is that they're unable to break the ceiling so again it's that i believe it's that it's just that unconscious bias of thinking you know any other person but an ethnic minority is better they're probably all more qualified they probably will get along with people more etc etc whatever is their rationale behind you know why they make their decisions and she goes on to say we have people with a huge amount of experience and who are willing to learn but they apply and they don't get it it takes a lot of courage and you just keep seeing the same of the same and you just get tired and frustrated um yeah i mean it's never easy when applying for jobs or applying for quote like your quote unquote dream job or trying to progress in your career like it's never easy you always get rejections and especially now in 2020 lord knows that the job market is tough right now but it's just like she said you just keep seeing the same of the same like we are managing to break into these positions because of things like unconscious bias and because of things like racism goes on to say and in terms of sorry they go on to ask her and in terms of UK Black Pharmacists Association members is there any commonality in terms of their experiences of discrimination or prejudice within pharmacy um and then she goes on to say for instance with covid-19 risk assessments black pharmacists feel they are at risk and their employers are not listening today i was in tears at lunch time as i had a fourth year pharmacy student who had lost two members of their immediate family during the, their exam period he requested support and feedback about an exam but only got a very general response the concerns of our members are not taken seriously some black pharmacists don't have any relatives in this country <laughs> Well, I have relatives, but you know, not close relatives. Um, and then she goes on to say, some of us come from abroad to either study or work here. They don't have the large network that will support us. Um, our needs are different. I'm not trying to say that we are special, but we need to listen to each other. And that's just perfect response. And I think she gave a really good example as well here of the person who had lost their family and they were just needing extra support, like. I also have a friend actually while we were at uni who got his grades were not what he expected and he you know he emailed the uh, module coordinator and got a generic response like at least give me the like you know make an appointment with me or something and try to let's try and get down to to the problem or you know at least make an appointment with me to explain why you you've given me these grades or to explain why you can't offer me x amount of support or what is available to me um so yeah they go on to ask her we recently published data that showed a 15% points awarding gap for black and farm students versus their white counterparts bame students can feel very isolated when they start university how much of a factor is that 
she mentions that she didn't do her university studies in the uk but she came and did her conversion course i believe is what it's called and then she goes over her, her experience of how she for the first time noticed that she was black you know for the first time she noticed the color of her skin and um saw how her white counterparts were treated preferentially um and you know she didn't get as much support as she would have liked um she didn't get as much reassurance um from her tutors or time um and she says we need to start educating our academics how to be more inclusive academics are leaders and have the potential to lift you for the rest of your career or make or mark you negatively and yeah like teachers make or break you really like there's you always have people being like oh yeah my teacher who told me that i couldn't do xyz like it really is very impactful um i'm glad that my university experience was nice when it came to tutors and, and lecturers um i did experience like unconscious bias here and there but like it was nothing overt or nothing you know done intentionally to hurt me or to um jeopardize my my grades um and then they go on to say some farms to ask us sorry some pharmacy schools say they have programs to support bme students but that there may be other factors involved in terms of socioeconomic status and what grades the students came in with is that a valid argument so she goes on to say things explain that everyone comes in with their different issues and their different you know struggles some students come from abroad some students come from like really affluent families some students don't and they're supporting their themselves or even supporting themselves and their families um yeah it may be their first time leaving home leaving their country their first time um living by themselves like definitely was my first time living by myself even if i went to boarding school it's it com- it's completely different from you know being responsible for yourself is completely different from going to a boarding school because at least there you have people who are responsible for you and tell you what to do um but anyway I digress. So she says, we need to give everyone support and start concentrating less on the what if. Some of these people work harder because they know the problems they are facing, but we have to overcome some barriers that that it is. T- we have to, sorry, she says, but we have to overcome so many barriers that it is tiring, so many excuses to justify what is unjustifiable. And yeah, I feel like this is one of the reasons why I don't like the the BAME acronym, like Black Minority Ethnic Groups, Asian Minority Ethnic Groups, let them stand independently because our struggles are not the same, despite the fact that, yes, we are, we are all discriminated against in some type, in some shape or form. I think that is our only commonality. Like, when you look deeper into it, everyone's experience, especially in the two separate groups, are different. I, I personally feel like the fact that on the proximity to whiteness scale, if there is one, Asians sit higher or closer to whiteness, they experience certain privileges that you would say, for example, a light-skinned person would experience. So the struggles are not the same. Um, Focus needs to be given to the two groups. Um, How can I even explain it? For example, talking about how um, we might not have family support 
most Asians I've met in this country have been second, third generation. So they were born here and their fam- they have their family here. Um, or at least know like people who live here. So they have that support in comparison to myself and most of the people I met while I was at uni. Most of us um, came straight from you know, our individual country that was Nigeria, Ghana, Zimbabwe. Um, we all came straight by ourselves um, and don't have, not all of us have family support. I mean, we are all friends now. We all have our individual friend groups and people who support us now, but we still don't have that family support. Anyway, moving on. Um, they ask her, do you welcome the new support pharmacy schools are saying they will provide for pre-registration trainees basically it, it was overdue um I, I will personally take all the help i can get so yeah it's been long overdue but it's it's a great step and people just need to be encouraged to speak up and to get, ask for support when they need it she also says we need to see consistency and the conversation taking place on a regular basis because discrimination, isolation, and inequality is happening daily. When we move on to the next paper, which was basically a critique of the interview, um, he mentions how this is a sweeping statement, but <laughs> I don't know if people have seen the, res- the responses to Sainsbury's adverts and, for example, the anti-protest situation that went on um, in England in the heat of the Black Lives Matter protest where people went to in quotes protect statues so you can't say that, that discrimination and racism and isolation inequality isn't happening daily when daily or weekly, monthly you see something happen and some racist people are showing themselves <laughs> and don't hide please be a racist with your chest so that at least we know that you are uh, but <laughs> You know, you can't say that this is, she's being, she's generalizing or she's exaggerating. Anyway, she goes on to say, this is going to be very, very uncomfortable to start with for many people. But if we continue, we can start thinking about examples of unconscious bias and how that is affecting others. We are very good at talking. We are very good at writing policies. But when it comes to, sorry, she says, we are, very good at talking we're very good at writing policies but what i want is outcomes we don't want perfection we just want organizations that become better in what they are doing and that's on period (laughs) i'm not serious um next question is it's all very well releasing a strategy but if you don't actually talk to the people who have these strategies who have these experiences you won't learn anything are you being involved in these strategies so basically she has been involved in um policies the rps and gphc are working on currently i believe so yes yeah, she's being involved but i don't really know about other people um she's also she's recently she's been announced as an rps fellow and some other quote-unquote BAME people I follow on on Instagram, sorry, Twitter, um, also shared that they had been announced as GPHC, as RPS fellows. So an RPS fellow, I believe, is you get to get, like, you get involved in decision-making processes of some things. So you get invited 
um, to work with them and I believe you can present your own cases and your own ideas to them as well I'm not really sure what goes into it but hopefully you know more representation there will help to speed change what would you say to someone who claims that racism in pharmacy does not exist and this um (laughs) this leads nicely to the next you know uh paper we're going to be talking about but basically because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean it isn't true because that's not your lived experience or the lived experience of people around you doesn't mean that it doesn't exist you know she says it is inhumane what is happening in our profession to have people who have dedicated their life to become a pharmacist and work hard and then be isolated physically attacked and have their reputations destroyed in 2020 to have a conference where you do not have black people speaking where you have boards that do not have black black people i'm not supporting tokenism i don't want to put in the, i just i don't want to be put in there just because they want a black face i want people to deserve to be there i want equality so do i <laughs> if someone comes to me and asks if they will face discrimination in pharmacy i cannot tell i cannot tell them no you are not going to see it in school. You're... God, I can't read. <laughs> it's been a long day. Anyway, she says, you are going to see it in schools, in your place of work, when you are trying to advance in your career. We do not talk about racial discrimination in pharmacy. We do not acknowledge it. And when someone does try to talk about it, we try to isolate them. Someone told me in the group, they will bury you. That is what pharmacy does. What we need is more people with courage from all races because a huge number of the 400 pharmacies, pharmacists I represent have had bad experiences that should not have happened in the first place. So that is the in- end of her interview. So we're going to move on to the next paper. And it's not a paper really, it's a letter that was written in response to this interview that we've just that I've just discussed. So the response to that is is racism really a problem in our profession? They say that Black Lives Matter marches in the UK have led to much soul searching over the discrimination of black that black people face in society. Most people I talk to are dismayed at the associated lawlessness including attacks on police and damage to buildings and statues. It's very, like, it's wild to me how people value non-living things over actual living things. Like, you value a statue over human life, like, living, breathing humans. It's mind-boggling. You value property over the lives of actual human beings. Yes, there were attacks on police, but like what? And there was, yes, associated lawlessness and things going on that shouldn't have happened. But what do you expect? We've there have been over what, 60 years of peaceful protests, of people begging for change, begging for equality, and nothing has happened. Of course, people are going to get frustrated, people are going to get violent. The whole process of discrimination and racism, the whole reason why we were here, 
is because of violence little little acts of violence a genocide here a bombing there you know that's why we've gotten here that's why groups certain groups of people are oppressed because they were violently put in that position so why are you surprised now when people are coming up and they are they are freaking raging please hon don't be don't be shook um Anyway, he goes on to say, he also implies that black, Asian and minority ethnic people are more susceptible to COVID owing to inequalities caused by social discrimination, societal discrimination. This is not the case. For example, some Asian groups are more prone to diabetes and some African groups to sickle cell anemia. This is true. Like, a lot of people in this group um, are susceptible to comorbidities. A lot of people who died in this group already had um, certain comorbidities that put them at risk um, of COVID. But things like socioeconomic status, for example, like the type of jobs that we do. So most black people I know would be, even Asian people would be in care, like carer roles, would be working in transportation, would be working in like your shops, would be doing security roles. And these are roles that are high risk because you are there interacting with people on a daily. So that is another thing to consider. Um, but I don't, this, I, I think this is maybe the only statement I probably will not dis, um, disagree with. He goes on to say, Prioritis also implies that GPHC is biased against BAME pharmacists in fitness to practice investigations. And surely students fail the pre-registration exam because they didn't meet the required standards, not because of the GPHC's bias. Okay, so he's talking about two different things here. He's talking about the fitness to practice investigations and talking about the pre-registration exams. This is one thing I found about racists. They're never coherent or like <laughs> they're never coherent or like sensible i guess it's because like you you're not making any sense like by you being a racist you you aren't you aren't putting yourself in a position to grow like you're stunting yourself you're, you you're deciding to stay in this place because you want to make sure that certain groups of people remain beneath you and remain oppressed so i'm not surprised when they do things that don't make any sense so because he has put two things together but yes they both relate to gphd but they are not the same anyway so he's saying there's bias in fitness practice investigations i've been told stories by other pharmacists that lead me to believe that this is true and because i've heard of people getting really really harsh um I was going to say sentences like they're going to jail, but really, really harsh um, rulings. I, I, I can't find the right words right now um, because, and those people have been from, have been black or Asian. So yeah, it is biased. Um, and then he, he's talking about how students must surely fail because they don't meet the required standard, not, and not because of the GPHC's bias. And it's this thing of this person, I'm sorry, is clearly a racist, but it's also more scary when there are people who believe they are not racist, but they have unconscious bias. But because you believe you are not racist and you're choosing not to learn or unlearn rather, you are putting yourself in this position where you continue to inflict, like your unconscious bias continues to affect the lives of people negatively because nothing good really, nothing good comes out of unconscious bias or bias in general.
So the fact that you will not own up to the possibility of unconscious bias. And it's it's crazy because they're actual facts. Like it's not like they're saying this out of thin air. They're statistics to prove, you know, that people that that people from BAME communities are get harsher um decisions and feel more disproportionately in comparison to their white counterparts. So again, it's just this thing of putting like leaving your head under the sand or keeping your head under the sand and not wanting to accept the truth. Anyway, he goes on to say. Gomez Campos is concerned that BAME candidates are excluded from achieving office, but there have been many Asian presidents of the Royal Francisco Society. If BAME candidates apply and are not appointed, there must have been a stronger candidate. The fact that he doesn't want to accept the possibility of unconscious bias kind of under like it makes me understand why we've gotten to this type of statements because it's an unconscious bias that drives this type of uh, you know that causes this type of problems the fact that you are unconsciously making these decisions because you've been programmed to think of certain groups of people a certain way of course you are going to choose you know who you've been programmed to think is the best candidate over the other person without properly and clearly looking at the facts without any bias that's why the whole point of training is important and the whole point of implementing the policies and implementing the change that we want is important like saying it is not enough you actually have to put some type of actions in place it goes on to say gomez campus makes several sweeping statements such as discrimination isolation and inequality is happening daily and i think i mentioned this earlier because i'd read this and this is not a sweeping statement as i discussed before because it is happening daily (laughs) um and then he says people are being isolated physically attacked and having their reputations destroyed this is also true it's not a sweeping statement and there are serious problems in pharmacy how can these comments be substantiated so he's taking all these comments out of context literally and put them all together please make it make sense (laughs) anyway he goes on to say he also states that some black people are at a disadvantage because they have no family support networks here in the uk has she thought of overseas students who are here coping with the same issue yes she has if you read <laughs> sorry it's hilarious at this point but like if you actually read the the interview you would have seen that she did consider people students who came in from overseas to study and she did mention that they do have these same issues of not having enough support and feeling isolated anyway he goes on to say the pharmacy culture has she alludes to does not reflect my experience yes it doesn't because you're a white man (laughs) of course it doesn't i feel like and this is just you know me going off on a tangent if that if she was if elsie gomez campus was a man even if she was a black man he would have received this a bit better I feel like the fact that she's a black, dark-skinned woman and she's making these comments, I feel like when he read it, when he saw the thing, it just sent him and he was like, you know what, I, I have to tell the Francisco Journal what I think. Even if he clearly does not even have the range to discuss it, but, you know, here we are. Um, he goes on to say, I have never come across any discrimination. Of course you have. I have worked... I've worked with black, white, and Asian pharmacists in Harmony. 
how can there be institutional racism when a substantial portion of pharmacists seem to be Asian? This guy, honestly. And this brings me back to the whole thing of why I don't like the word, the acronym BAME, because the struggles of black people and Asian people, especially in this country, are completely different. So it's not really appropriate to put us under the same umbrella. Um, and the fact that he says he says it that way makes me feel like if he even had it his way, he would he would prefer for there to not even be a large amount of Asians being represented in, in, in pharmacy. But we move on. And then he goes on to say, in the UK, I have appointed black candidates to senior positions. My workforce was mostly black when I worked in Africa. You don't say your workforce was mostly black when you worked in Africa? Oh my God, I'm shook. I'm shaking. Of, <laughs> of course it's going to be. Like, of course. Because you are in freaking Africa. He probably thinks Africa is a country. The fact that he says it means if he had his way, he, prob- he would have brought people from the UK with him to work while he was in Africa and not worked with the Africans themselves. Um, anyway, he says, I did not discriminate against them. Now that they give me a hard time because I was English, of course we don't. Of course they won't give you a hard time. The whole let's not go into white saviorism and how people see black as bad and white as good and white as better. So why would they give you a hard time when in their mind they've been programmed or they believe that you know whatever it is you have to offer is better than whatever it is they have there, which probably isn't true. But you know, we move on. Um, he goes on to say. Gomez Campos says she does not want tokenism, but she seems to want preferential support for BME students. She also said she didn't want preferential support. That is what led her to, to say she didn't want tokenism. But again, you know when you just when someone tells you something and you just take what you want to hear out of the conversation, that's basically what he, he has done in my opinion. Anyway, he says she appears to pressure the RPS, the GPHC, and pharmacy schools to tilt the slope of the playing field in their favor. Again, we don't want favoritism. We don't want special treatment. We just want equality. And the way to drive equality, I'm sorry, is to provide support to certain groups of people that you you know or you've seen or statistically it has been shown that they struggle in certain areas. For, for example, with regards to family support, with regards to finances, or with regards to finding enough time to study if they are working multiple jobs to pay for their tuition, to pay, pay their rent. Like, it's not easy being an international student in this country, especially if you don't have enough financial support. So these things are honestly just essential for everyone to have the opportunity to perform well so we're not asking for favoritism or, or for preferential treatment. We're just asking for a little bit of support so that we can perform at the same level or we can be given the opportunity to perform at the same level that other people who might not have to struggle with what we are doing are performing. Yes, of course, no one forced us to come here to study, like, but we've come here in the hopes of getting a better education in whatever field it is that we're working and to get better experiences and so i mean for myself so that we can be able to innovate at some point back in our countries and help to drive the change that everyone wants to see but you know statements like this is what is making the change and is what is making 
things that will, you know, policies and actions that will come up to help BAME students impossible because you believe that there is no issue to be fixed. Anyway, he goes on to say, and final statement, thank, thank God, says, looking for problems, particularly around race and gender, where they do not exist is common. Often this can attract the law of unintended consequences. So basically, he, doesn't, he, likes, he likes the way things are. He doesn't want things to change. He's happy with black and Asian people being oppressed. He's happy with the way racism is going. He's probably a conser- conservative. <laughs> Let me not bring politics into this because I don't even have a clue about any of that. But, you know, and then he brings gender into it as well, which brings me back to the statement of he probably would have been happy if Elsie Gomez Campos was a man. Um, he probably wouldn't have been as pissed or as pressed as this. Um, it's like, oh my God, this this black woman, like, how dare her have something to say? It's wild, but yeah, that's that's it. That is it. So, um, to David Norris, who is the guy who who wrote in, sorry for the inconvenience. I'm sorry that you know we are living in your head rent free. That you think that there's no issue with race in the profession and we are just here whining and asking for favoritism and tokenism and preferential treatment um and you know we're just creating imaginary problems in our in our heads um i'm really sorry that you feel this way um for anyone who's listening for the first time i was being sarcastic but you know anyway the francisco um journal actually wrote back to him they they basically told him nicely to to um you know to bug off but um i was happy that they did that they responded to him um and yeah i'll just leave it at that thank you for listening have a lovely morning afternoon evening whatever time of day it is that you're in and i'll see you next time